Welcome to Morse Code, an Inspector Morse podcast. I'm your host, Shukri. And today I'm going to be looking at Season 2, Episode 3 of Inspector Morse, the original series, The Settling of the Sun. Not my favorite episode, I'll just throw it out there, but I did enjoy the historical philosophical questions that arise in this episode. It reminded me of being uh, in my history classes with my students and, and reflecting on big ideas, you know, was it ethical to do this in war? Is it ethical to do that? And uh, this, this episode really brings up questions I never thought about related to generational issues. I mean, honestly, I probably have thought about it, but the episode, it, it did shine a light on the issue of hate that spreads from generation to generation. And so I reflect on some of those ideas and I see, you know, I wonder what you think after listening to this podcast episode. Morse and Lewis don't get a lot of scenes together in in the settling of the sun. For some reason, there is a character, Dr. Robson and Colin Dexter and whoever else was writing in, in charge of this decided that that character would be a big focus of the episode. I think that was a, a, a problem because it, it didn't really match the normal Morse formula. And maybe I'm a little too formulaic in what I like, but I didn't really appreciate that too much. But it is an interesting episode because of those historical philosophical questions. And I wonder what you think again after listening to this. So thanks for listening. Oh, one more thing. I do make some connections to Endeavor in this. And sorry if it's too much. I just, I guess Endeavor's fresh in my mind right now, you know, having watched the, the, the finale. And so I'm kind of thinking, like, would, would Morse have actually gone through rehab after watching the original Morse series? Does he seem like someone who went through rehab like he did on Endeavor? And there's some other questions that come up and some misses that I see with Endeavor that arose after watching or while I was watching, actually, the, uh, the original Morse series. And so it's kind of fun to think about. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Morse Code. I appreciate it. Please share it. This this podcast has definitely spread through word of mouth, and I appreciate the Morse community for sharing it. It's a great community to be a part of. I appreciate it. I'll see you after the music. Welcome to Morse Code, an Inspector Morse podcast. I'm your host, Shukri. So today, I'm going to be looking at Season 2, Episode 3 of the original Morse series, The Settling of the Sun. Not my favorite episode, not my favorite Morse episode. It felt a little dated. Not enough Lewis for me, not enough Morse, which is one of the big things that I look for in this series. And also, there was a strange kind of excessive emphasis on a pretty boring character, a side character who I'll get into later. But I'll do all that later. I'll talk about that after the plot. Well, by the way, I did appreciate the philosophical, historical questions that arose in this episode. I'm a history teacher, history and psychology, and so it's right up my alley. I love the these big questions, big ideas, and this episode did make me reflect on deep questions related to revenge and generational strife. So I'll go into that a lot in this episode. It's, this is going to be a the big focus for me because the actual plot itself and the, 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 the murder mystery element didn't get to me too much. 
but I will explain the plot now. It's a convoluted one based on the death of a Japanese student named Yukio Lee. And so Yukio Lee is murdered, or he seems to be murdered at the beginning in this gruesome way. And then we have a few characters who are hovering around this murder. We have a Dr. Jane Robson who I guess is dating Morse, sort of, sort of not. He thinks she is. Of course, she's involved because Morris is dating her. And then we have her brother, Michael Robson, who is playing a German character named Kurt Friedman. We have a doppelganger of Yukio Lee. And we have Mrs. Warbutt. So the bottom line is Yukio Lee is murdered, right? He's murdered, and it turns out his dad was torturing the Robson's father. And so the Robson's are seeking revenge. They want to kill Yukio Lee out of revenge for their father's experience in uh, POW camps. Now, Yukio actually escapes the attempt. He kills a doppelganger, then he murders Mr. Robson, then he murders Robson's son, and then he goes after Jane Robson, Morse's love interest, and that doesn't work out, and he's eventually killed by Mrs. Warbutt, who's apparently a hired assassin or something. I don't know. But she, she ends up killing Yukio Lee, the real one, at the very end. So a lot going on here, a bit too much if you ask me, but it does bring up good questions, fascinating questions related to World War II and war in general, really. Also, the concept of revenge, what's legitimate, what's illegitimate, what's rational, what's irrational. And I just, you know, I want to go into that on this episode and see what you think. Because here's a question. Why would it be okay to go after a torturer's son? So why would it be okay to go after a torturer's son? I think there's a fascinating debate going on throughout this episode related to this idea of, of conflict, of generational strife. And I'm, I'm interested because I can make many personal connections. I'm a Palestinian and my wife is actually Jewish-Israeli. So we, we're both Americans and we've discussed through our years together, you know, the many issues in the Middle East conflict because we grew up with it. So this idea of generational issues really i can I, I can identify with it and i can you know i think there is a mature way of approaching these things and an irrational emotional way as well but that's just my opinion you know you're more, more than welcome of course to disagree with me also when it comes to war and how, how should a soldier feel because this is part of the episode my late brother he was a soldier in the iraq war he served for uh two tours so about 18 months and I don't know, I kept thinking about him as I was watching this episode. He kept coming to my mind, as he often does. Uh, I, would, I would often think about him as, you know, the characters were grappling with war and the consequences of it. And I thought about how, like, he viewed Iraqis and Americans and everyone involved. And I've got to say, you know, just the idea based on my experience at least, the idea of despising a people, a full generation, honestly, even doesn't even have to be a full generation, but despising a people after a war is over, it's just not healthy. Even, even during the war, it's not healthy. And it's kind of immoral to me. It's important because, you know, you have to come to terms with what has happened and you're, you still are mourning your loved ones. And this happens in this episode a lot. And it's still important to fight for justice if there was an injustice. But as a friend of mine says, you know, you want to think 
with the front part of your brain, not the back part of the brain. And that's a little psychology, right? So you want to be more rational in your approach to things. And I don't want to paint with a broad brush. So I could be, you know, I think there could be counter arguments in certain ways with certain situations, especially certain historical events. And I'm, I'm a big fan of keeping history alive. So I'm not saying don't do that. As a history teacher, that's a core value of mine. But I do side with the British characters in this episode, including Morrison Lewis, who were disagreeing with the, for lack of a better term, the anti-Japanese sentiment because, you know, of the war. Uh, my guess is that Colin Dexter was trying to make a point about the irrational nature of revenge, of hate, of generational conflicts. And I think he made a, made a good point. I wasn't in love with the story, but the philosophical historical arguments were well done, in my opinion. Okay, on to the show. So let's talk Morris and Jane Robson. I mean, awkward throughout. The, the actor playing Robson, I don't know. Something was off in the performance to me. I don't know if it's how she was directed or how the part was written, but it didn't grab my attention and the performance just seemed off. A lot of the episode focused on her character as well. So that was a weakness to me. She seemed skittish. I don't know if you noticed this. If you haven't watched the episode, go ahead and, you know, if you have time, watch it. She seemed really skittish throughout the, the show and you know, why you could argue that maybe she was going for this person's in a murder conspiracy, so they're feeling kind of skittish about it. It just came across as odd to me. And, and Morse's obsession with her made little sense. I talked about Endeavor a few weeks ago. So with that in mind, Endeavor just ended, of course. And I'm going to reference Endeavor a few times and probably in future episodes also because of the prequel nature of it. But think about Endeavor. And I, I say this as praising the, the writing on Endeavor, actually. What in Endeavor, what on that show explains Morse's tendency to stick with people who are clearly rejecting him? Anything? I think nothing, actually. And again, Endeavor, I, I say thumbs up to how they wrote that character when it came, came to relationships because he's never submissive, pitiful in the way Morse is, not seeing signs of rejection, not accepting a lack of interest. I guess this is Morse's, the older Morse's big flaw, but I wish he was written, and I've said this before, but in a healthier, stronger kind of way, the way Lewis is written, and even Hathaway. Hathaway isn't, we don't get a lot of scenes with Hathaway and uh, love interests, but he's much, much healthier than, than Morse is in and so is Endeavor. So that's where the confusion lies for me. So before I leave this point, I just want to emphasize one more time. And I think this is really important. It's kind of out of character for this show to focus so much time on Robson's character. Because it just came at the expense. Think about it. Lewis. There's not many Lewis scenes in this episode. Lewis Moore scenes. Max and Morris scenes. You don't get that on this episode because of the excessive focus on the 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 side character of, of Robson. So okay, on to on another on to another note. I think it's uh we can we can leave that for now at least. Uh, the beginning of this episode has Morris and I, I liked how the, the this episode started. You have Morris at these one of these fancy dinners at the college and 
they always look fun to me, these these dinners that they have at the college. When Morris is speaking to fellow lovers of crossword puzzles, I didn't quite get why he's speaking to them. I, I think this is part of the master plan by, by the Robsons to distract Morse or to have Morse as a witness to Yukio Lee being there. But in this part, what I, what really grabbed me, I guess, was Morse giving this incredibly dull speech. No one's interested. And then they they uh, contrast him with this narcissistic, probably psychopathic master of the college who looks like, I don't know, JFK or Obama or something, you know, giving this masterful speech. He gives this charming, engaging talk. And Morse just seems irritated as can be. He, he seems irritated, kind of insecure while this is occurring. And for me, the contrast is good. It's really significant to the episode because Morse, he may be boring. He's not a boring character in any way. We love Morse, but he's not a speech maker. So he may be boring, you know, giving a speech, but he's authentic. While the psychopathic master, he looks like a stand-up comedian up there. But we see how gross he actually is as the episode progresses. So I like that because there's something real about that, right? And that that was really well done, I think. And we also get a very hangry Max. You know, Max isn't getting his, his food, and he let us know about it in this episode. And, and, and since we're fresh off of Endeavor, again, I, I wanted to include a Max scene here because I found myself constantly making connections, seeing if with the, the prequel held up. And one big miss that the Max scene in this episode made me reflect on is the dynamic between Max and Morse and the bantering that they do. And also, if you think about Dr. Hobson and Lewis in the Lewis series, she's her and Lewis are doing it in a more romantic way, but there's still this bantering going on. And that's missing totally from Endeavor. So I think that those... Max Moore scenes, while we saw them in Endeavor, they were definitely, the bantering element at least was missing. And I just wanted to throw that in there. I just, I don't know, something about watching this episode made me connect it to that. So I do want to talk about a few more scenes on this podcast that I enjoyed because obviously you can't have a Morse episode without enjoying a lot of what you see with Morse. And the first one was Morse and the master, the psychopathic guy. They're discussing the hierarchical nature of titles, like job titles, because Morris wants him to call call him chief inspector. And I just, I loved the mean-spirited nature of Sir Wilfred. I love how they wrote him because he goes from this, you know, stand-up comedian. I mean, where did he go all of a sudden? In the private, he's not, right? And I've personally am always a little skeptical. I'm sure maybe a lot of you are as well. Of, of performative types of people. So this was a perfect scene for me because it kind of confirmed that early reaction that Morse had to to this character of Sir Wilford. So Sir Wilfred. So that was that was a good scene for me. And this a second scene that I enjoyed was Morse just dissecting Michael Robson. The uh the I think Kurt Friedman Friedman was his fake German name. He really, really just picks him apart in this scene, spots all of his lies, the fake German character. Also, you have Morse telling him to like sit down with him only to just dissect the fake persona even more. It was good stuff. I love the German references. It, it just seemed like Morse at his best. He knew how to 
how to just pick him apart and ask him the questions to to prove that he was lying to him. And that's when Morris is such a strong detective. He knows it's almost Hercule Poirot like where he could just pick apart the 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 suspect. And he knew there was something about Robson's fake persona. Morse saw through it. And I can't remember. I'd have to rewatch it again to see what at what point did he see through it. But he saw through it. And I thought that was really, really well done. The third scene I want to talk about is the uh, beer is food scene. And you're probably asking, like, which one? You know, Morse is always saying beer is food. But in this scene, Morse is railing against people doing drugs, ironically, while while he's just inhaling another bitter. And this was definitely comedic for, I'm sure, most viewers of the show. And Lewis is like a standalone for us as the as the audience. And he's sort of looking at him with a smirk. And he calls him out, basically. And he's like, you know, what about you and beer? And then Morse just says, oh, well, you know, beer is food. It's not a drug. And I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think most of the audience was probably pulling their hair out when they were watching this to hear Morse be so self-righteous about, about drugs. And then he's, of course, has a problem with alcohol. But it also, it did make me question, and I wonder what you think. But again, another Endeavor connection, it made me question the whole Endeavor rehab storyline and to see if it really actually matches the Morse series. As I watched the Endeavor story, I liked the the rehab storyline. But then as I was watching Morse, I thought it just... It just seems to me like Morse is a little too dismissive of beer as a drug. And I just don't think he would have gone to rehab, honestly. he I could see him as a person who rationalizes his drinking. But he would also, if he went to rehab, he would know it's a drug. He wouldn't be so dismissive, in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe you disagree, but I wonder what you think. Does the original John Thaw Morse seem like he's been in rehab? For some reason, I'm leaning towards no. He doesn't seem like a character who's gone through that process. And uh, yeah, I wonder what you think about that. Now, let me mention one more Lewis scene because we actually have two scenes with Lewis and Morse and Morse being very vulnerable with Lewis in two of the scenes in this episode. The first one is where he really opens up about the possibility of being a pawn in Dr. Robson's game which made me feel sad for Morris because he kind of realized, actually both scenes made me feel sad for him. And Lewis is like being a good friend and listening to him and hearing him out. And then the second scene kind of similar is where Morris is sort of free associating about his, his dates with Robson. And then he realizes that they're not as serious as he thought, you know, just, Oh, I guess we were just talking about music. He sort of comes to this realization and I I felt bad for him, you know, that, that he thought these were serious dates, but they weren't really. She was sort of using him, and he did come to that realization, it seemed like. But for me, as someone who loves the the, the partnership, whether it's Lewis and Hathaway or Lewis and Morse, I love the vulnerability with Lewis, and it's always a plus for me. It shows growth in their relationship, because this is only season two, and a, a deep trust also. So that's always going to be a strength, in my opinion. All right, overall... Five out of 10 for me. Sorry, I didn't like this episode very much. It felt dated, which doesn't always bother me. Obviously, I watch Morse. I, I've i had friends watch a little bit of Morse and they can't watch any of it because it's 
too dated for them. But that doesn't usually bother me. But something about this episode did in the dated category. I also just didn't like the excessive focus on Robson. The performance from that actor seemed a bit off to me. And maybe it was just the directing and the writing was off. And and, and the actor playing Robson was just working with what she had. I don't know. But it didn't make sense to me. And let's say it was a great performance. Let's say it was a great character. I still don't think it's a good idea for a show like Inspector Morse to focus so much on a side character. You know, they, that's to me, it's, it's about, for most of the, the people watching, it's about Morse and Lewis and the mystery and the quirks of Morse and the, the development of the character. The side characters are just there to be side characters. And yeah, I think it's a flaw in this episode. The ending was also strange. Why is Morse hugging Robson, holding her hand, giving her flowers? I mean, why? Seriously, why did they think that that made any sense at all? The episode just just seemed a little off to me. But I am fascinated by generational trauma, strife, and the consequences of war. It's a definite discussion point, and I talk about it a lot with my classes in history. It reminds me actually of a trip that I've taken a few trips to the Middle East, to Israel and Palestine, and on one of them, I went to this village in Israel called Wahet Salam or Nev Shalom, or in English, the Oasis of Peace. And I actually sat down with my wife and father-in-law and a, and a family friend, and we had coffee with the mayor of this, this village. It's the only village in Israel where Palestinians and Israelis actually have chosen to live with one another by choice. And uh, they have a, you could, there's a website, a Wikipedia page, you can look it up. It's a, it's a nice village. But there's one quote that the mayor said. I had a really nice conversation with him, and I'll paraphrase it because it was so long ago. I don't want to say I'm quoting him. But he mentioned, and I think it, this connects, by the way, to this episode. He mentioned that there's a tendency for both groups, and I think in all conflicts in general, both groups to have their own history and to use that history to state that the other side is bad and that they are the victim, which kind of creates a justification for violence. And his main point was we need to see that both sides have suffered and to find common ground based off of shared goals, shared universal ideas, universal rights. And I thought that that kind of fit into this episode. You know, I was thinking about that conversation and, you know, you might say that's pie in the sky or whatever or excessively optimistic, but in reality, it's how people have to move forward. And so when I was watching this you know, people struggling with the world with World War II in terms of the Japanese British element. Obviously, generations are going to have issues and legitimate ones too. By the way, I I totally understand that, but I do think for a healthy progression in life, it makes a lot of sense to try to understand. Like, oh, let's say like Yukio Lee. You know, is he really someone you should be going after and and hate, right? I don't know, something to think about. So thanks for listening to this episode of Morse Code and Inspector Morse Podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to uh, jumping into the next one and uh, seeing what it offers. So thanks for listening. I'll see you soon.